0: Brethren, now we're blessed to have our second message for the day by our pastor, Lawrence Gregory. Good afternoon. Some of the main points that separate our churches of God from other churches are the Saturday Sabbath, the biblical holy days, the two resurrections, heaven or hell, destiny doctrines, the identity of Israel and other nations. This last point is part of the message for today, and I've titled it, An Abbreviated History. Now, many of our older members understand some of this as we've gone through in past years, maybe uh, newer members that uh, maybe are not with us here today, might be tuning in on the internet, or those that are joining us that are new to these messages, this will be an interesting and exciting, I think, uh, just a preview of a very brief, abbreviated history of some of the things we're going to discuss today. Now, we saw in the earlier chart a tree, and we all know what a tree looks like main trunk and branches, and many of those branches never touch each other, but they're all connected to the trunk of the tree and form that whole tree. So that's kind of what our message is today. We're going to be touching on different branches of main trunk of that tree. And bear in mind with us as we review this that we are talking from an abbreviated history. Now Webster's uh, Collegiate Dictionary defines abbreviated as made briefer, shorter by omission or contradiction of words. And that's what we're going to do today. And then history is the branch of knowledge that records and explains past events. So, as we go through this today, let's think of the past up to current times and the significance of just a little bit of what we're going to be touching on today. Now, our first scripture is in uh, Genesis, the 32nd chapter. And uh, this first portion, this first point I've identified as the descendants of Israel, or Israel's descendants, and we join here in uh, Genesis, the thirty-second chapter, verse 24, I'll just read real quickly through here, and Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man, remember that, a man with him until the breaking of the day, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day's breaking. And he said, I will not let you go, except you bless me. And he said unto him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he, the man, said, Your name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince have you power with God and with men, and have prevailed. Now, Jacob means supplanter, or... Uh, Shyster is another crude word for Jacob, but uh, his name is changed to be a prince or one who prevails with God, as we see from the uh, reference here. And Jacob asked him, uh, tell me, I pray you, your name. And he said, um, wherefore is it that you do ask after my name? And he blessed him. God blessed him. The man blessed him. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Okay, next scripture reference is in Genesis the 48th chapter and uh, this is the time when uh, Jacob is dying and he's going to pass blessings on to his 12 descendants. He had 12 sons and some daughters and uh, we want to join in uh, Genesis the 49th chapter verse 11, verse eight, pardon me. Genesis 49 verse eight, no, uh, chapter 48, verse 15. We're we're going to skip 49. Uh, Chapter 48, verse uh, 13, we'll begin there. And uh, Joseph took them both, that's uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, in his right hand, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand. Now, bear in mind, Jacob is seated, and Joseph is bringing his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. So he thinks that he wants the greater blessing on the younger son, Ephraim, so he puts Ephraim in his left hand to bring down, so Jacob will put his right hand on Ephraim's head and bless him. So, as they're coming down, uh, Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand, and laid it upon Ephraim's head, which was the younger and his left hand upon Manasseh's head guiding his hand wittingly for Manasseh was the firstborn. So he switched crossed arms like this to put the blessing of the lesser blessing on we consider the right as a dexter, the stronger, the authority, the right hand. And so he put that on the younger son and the left hand he put on uh, Manasseh's head. So if I if I said that opposite, when, he was bringing, when Joseph was bringing him down, he had Manasseh on his uh, right and Ephraim on his left. No, I said it right. Okay. Uh, and then the angel said, uh, uh, which redeemed, this is Jacob talking, which redeemed me from evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them. So let the name of Israel be on them. And uh, let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And this is where they have her circling in the center of the earth, around the earth, basically. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's hand to Manasseh. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Uh, Put your right hand upon his head, the elder, upon Manasseh. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it also, he shall become a people and he shall be great. Manasseh, great, a people. We the people of the United States, a great nation, a great people. I'm going to look at that just briefly here in just a few minutes. But his younger brother truly shall be greater than he and his seed shall become a multitude of nations or a commonwealth or a multitude, a common uh, expansion of, of many nations. And he blessed them that day saying, in thee shall Israel bless saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, behold I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above your brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. And then in Deuteronomy, let's go to Deuteronomy 26. I'm going to skip Genesis 49. That has to do about the, the blessings on Judah. So um, we've talked about that before. Deuteronomy 26, verse 16. You're probably already there. Deuteronomy, 26. This day the Lord your God has commanded you to do these statutes and judgments you shall keep, therefore, and do them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have avouched the Lord this day to be your God and to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and to hearken unto his voice. That's what our nation is supposed to be doing. Sadly, they're not doing that today, are they? And the Lord has avouched you this day to be his peculiar people as he has promised you, and that you should keep all his commandments, and to make you high above all nations, which he has made in praise and in name and in honor, and that you may be a holy people unto the Lord your God as he has spoken. And that has been God's intent, that Israel nations be above the other nations, and the lead and the servant, and we've been that as you look and examine uh, an abbreviated history, that the might of the British and the American peoples have been that. Now, we know that, you know, it's declining and uh, things are changing in current events, but that was God's intent. Now, uh, let's put up uh, some charts here. Now, Joseph was the 12th tribe, but when he was split into two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh, then Manasseh became the 13th tribe, Thirteen. Now, I was uh, in the dentist Friday the 13th for my six-month checkup. I didn't schedule it that way, just the way it came out. And so the hygienists were uh, laughing and talking about uh, Friday the 13th and kind of laughing and talking, but kind of bemoaning the fact that it was an unlucky day. And so I took a few minutes and began to explain to the hygienist, who called me Mr. Lawrence, uh, the hygienist, that no, 13 is the number of our nation. It is a very important and significant number. And, as I, and another hygienist came over from another station and was listening in, and uh, I began to talk a little bit and tell her about, you know, uh, we know 13 is usually considered an lucky number, Friday the 13th, a superstitious time, uh, a time of rebellion, but 13 has a positive aspect of separation it has a uh, positive aspect like uh, we see on the great seal of our uh, beloved uh, nation, the uh, obverse um, let me turn this on here, turn it on okay now you see on the obverse which is the front part of our seal of America you have uh, 13 13 arrows in the uh, sinister, this is called the sinister, the left talon of the eagle. The eagle is looking right to the right or the dexter talon and there's 13 olive leaves and 13 berries if you can count them in that uh, uh, right or dexter talon of the eagle. 13 pales on the uh, shield. Now in heraldry this has significance. White is on the outside and uh, on both sides so if you count uh, the white and the red you'll count uh, 13 And then uh, in the phrase, uh, unis pluribum, and uh, "and 13 stars in the crown, 13 numbers. So you have a significance. You have seven 13s on the obverse or the front of our great seal. You'll see this on your dollar bill. Then on the reverse side of the coin, you'll have two uh, 13 numbers. You'll have 13 steps of the Great Pyramid of Egypt. And the keystone, the top stone missing. And then you have the all seeing eye of God overlooking the 13 and annuit coibitus. Uh, there's significance in this number no, Novus Order Seclorum. Uh, there's more than 13 letters there, but it says out of uh, uh, a new order of the ages. And this is God smiled on our undertakings and out of unis pluribum. E pluribus unum means uh, out of many, one. So there's uh, nine sevens on our great seal of America. Now, the next is our flag. Just look at that briefly, the flags. Okay, this is a British flag here. You see uh, the crosses of uh, the three, uh, actually Britain and Wales and then uh, Scotland and Ireland and the significance of the uh, crosses. I don't know if you could tell this, this or not, but uh, this, this flag here uh, is upside down. Because the wider band, the white band, should be at the top. So if you turn the flag over, uh, if, if you just flip it over, it would be corrected. You, you can't tell on this picture here very much, but you see the narrow band here. This wider band here, like here, this wider band should be at the top of the British flag. And the same on the American flag 13 stars and stripes originally, 13 uh, pales in the flag, the red and yellow. Now, in the flag, Notice the reverse from heraldry, the red is on the outside of the white, showing the significance of uh, red blood or war to protect the purity of our nation. So uh, we're we're not going to spend, we've talked about this uh, before and the history of their flags, but this is one of the things that is really interesting and fascinating as you study scripture and as you study history and see the providential dealings of God and how, The history of uh, the scriptures and uh, the Bible traces uh, really one man's story down through the ages. If you consider one man from Adam or one man from Abraham or one man from Jacob into those uh, descendants that have uh, blessed this whole nation, uh, that is important. Now, we have a man here from England, Matthew Steele. And he can explain a little better the significance of the crosses, St. Andrews, St. George, St. James. Now, these uh, combinations of these nations in the British Empire, this flag was, the final flag was put together in about 1801. And uh, our flag has been through some transition. You see uh, some of the states that have been added to where we have 50 stars in our flag now instead of 13 original colonies. So... There is important significance and, and remember those dates, we'll look at that a little later. Now, I'm going to skip up to the second portion is what we call time, time sequences. And uh, here we need a chart, uh, if you put up chart 3 and 4 at the beginning before we discuss this a little bit here, I'm going to amend some of these things because of time constraints here. Uh, let's see time times and a half let me see if that uh, corresponds with the chart that i gave to Brian. i think i think so yeah this is just a, a brief chart here now let's go to da- excuse me daniel the 12th chapter daniel 12 and verse 7 we're going to just have to amend uh, some of the scriptures here. Verse 7 And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Time is one, times is two. Half a time is a half, so you have three and a half. One plus two plus a half gives you three and a half. And this is significant throughout the scriptures. Times, we'll, we'll look at this in more detail later because times can have either a day or a year of significance. But here, time, times, and a half time would be three and a half years. Let's go to Revelation, the 12th chapter. One thing about Brian giving him the notes earlier, he can click over to them faster than I can. so uh, you're there reading ahead of me uh, Dan- uh, Revelation 12:14, let me back up a little bit here. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time, times and a half time from the face of the serpent. And then back over in uh, verse 6, and to the woman, the church, fled into the wilderness. Now, wilderness is not necessarily a bad desert, bad place. The wilderness can be very beautiful with the protection and the blessings of God. Think about that. The wilderness can be, a lot of people like to go to the wilderness because it's a wonderful place to go. Not a dreary place to escape uh, and to be uh, troubled, but can be a positive Protection and blessing of God. And she has a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. So, time times and a half, a thousand two hundred uh, and threescore days. Twelve hundred and sixty days is three and a half years. Twelve hundred and sixty days is three, three and a half years. Okay, and uh, let's go to Leviticus the 26th chapter and then we'll come back to the New Testament. Leviticus the 26th chapter Okay, we have a number of scriptures here to read. Leviticus 26:18 uh, Those chapters in Deuteronomy we consider as blessings and cursing chapters here where Leviticus 26 there are some uh, Curses laid out on Israel because of disobedience, uh, future prophetic times. Verse 18, and if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And then uh, in verse uh, 23, and if you will walk contrary to me and will not hearken to me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you. And then in verse 23, and uh, this will I also walk contrary to you and will punish you yet seven times for your sins and verse 28 then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury and I even I will chastise you seven times for your sins so four sevens four times seven is 28 remember that significance if you take a time for a year four times seven would be 28 years or if you take as we will see here times for one year 360 days generally in the in the bibl- biblical. We'll look at that a little later also because there's three, a lunar and a solar and a biblical time frames of a year. So if you take 360 days or 360 years, seven times that would be 2,500 and 20 days, 2,520, seven times a year. So we'll look at that a little later because if you took, 4 times 2,520 years, that'd be like 10,000 years. That wouldn't fit in Bible prophecy or the history of man on this earth because we've only been here about 6,000 years from the time of Adam. We haven't been here hundreds of millions of years. We haven't been evolving. We didn't come from monkeys and apes. Somebody didn't go out and look up their tree and get hit in the head with a coconut or uh, a banana or something because uh, we didn't come from monkeys. Monkeys were created and... God created human beings, Adam and Eve, the first parents 6,000 years ago. So let's go to, uh, back to Daniel the fourth chapter now. Daniel 4, uh, this, these are significant and interesting uh, concepts and help us to uh, understand the sometimes the different applications of these uh, references. Daniel the fourth chapter Verse uh, 32. Now, this is talking about, uh, God's talking about Nebuchadnezzar, and you can read in your Bible dictionary and histories about uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, They shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make you to eat grass as an oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will. The same hour uh, it happened, and then verse 34, at the end of the days, I Nebuchadnezzar, I think my microphone touched the lectern here, caused that to go that loud on there. And my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. And so uh, the the time sequence here of uh, Nebuchadnezzar was 570 BC to 563 BC, seven year period. You can read the history. He was like. A wild animal, away from authority, he was like a, an insane, eating out, you know, uh, grass in the in the field, and just behaving like an animal for seven years. And then his reasoning came to him, and then he praised God. And uh, verse thirty-seven, I—it's not in my notes here—but I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extolled and honored the King of Heaven, all whose works are truth and His ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, He is able to abase. As Nebuchadnezzar, who Walked in pride, and God humbled him and abased him till he saw and recognized that God was the true God. Okay, now another reference here is in Revelation. Let's go back to Revelation 11th chapter. We've explained this briefly about uh, Revelation 11, the two like the two ones here uh, of the uh, numeral Revelation 11, talking about two, the two witnesses. You can remember. Uh, that uh, easily from um, like two, two witnesses. And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall be under underfoot forty and two months." and I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth." So, 42 months is 1,260 days which is 42 months is three and a half years, 1,260 days is three and a half years, the same time frame showing that the 42 months and the 1,260 days and then it's significant they were dead three and a half days Just three and a half day period, day period, time period. Okay, now let's leave that and go to the next uh, chart, number five, which this portion is called the Captivity to Freedom and Blessings. Now I don't know, you probably might not be able to read this, so I'm just going to talk here off the surface and ad lib. See, Israel's captivity 745, 734, 722 B.C., Judah's Three main captivities, uh, 606, 597, 586. And then Ezekiel's prophecy of the temple of God, 572, and the blessings to future prophecies of Israel. There's significance in the, all of these without going into uh, the scriptures here. Okay, so if you take Israel, 2520 years from 745 B.C. brings you to 775 to 776 uh, A.D., 770. What took place in 1776? The independence of the United States, our great beloved America. The defeating of the British in the battle in 1776 and our final uh, time of uh, independence. And then from 734 to 2520 years, 1786, our Constitution, the Articles of Confederation, the uh, ratifying of our Constitution, later a few more states joined in, and then 722, the final overthrow of Israel, to 2,520 years later brings us to 1798. Then in 606 for Judah, 2,520 years brings them to 1914 to 1917. Several significant important things took place in 1917. Now, uh, the reason for some variance is because you have some overlapping years and then coming from... Uh, BC to AD you have uh, coming this way, you add a year, going back that way you subtract a year because there's no year zero, we all understand these things. So, you're talking about in general time frames of a year or two to uh, see, I don't know why this, are you hearing uh, feedback? Yeah, it's booming. I wonder why that, let me uh, move this down a little. Excuse me, does that help a little better? Maybe, okay. Now, in 1914, 1917, uh, several things happened in in the nation of Judah, the Jews, what we call Israel today. Was the Balfour Declaration of uh, the uh, in 1917 that recognized that Israel had a right to exist. This was very important and significant in the world scene in 1917. Also, remember. Uh, the history of Lawrence of Arabia and General Allenby, that Allenby that went into Jerusalem walked in without writing in the great entourage as they drove the Turks out of Jerusalem. In 1917, significant things were happening. In 1923, 1924, great migrations of Jews back to Israel as this was accelerated in 1934, just before Hitler came into power, when uh, so many of the Jews were going back to Israel to develop that into a nation, in 1948, uh, what happened was statehood. Israel was declared a state with the blessings of the, I mean, Israel. When I say Israel, Judah, I mean, the nation, the little nation, you understand. The nation of Israel, the Jews, were given statehood, recognized by the rest of the Israel nations and the rest of the United Nations and the and the world at large. Now, I don't know if you can notice this, but it's significance that uh, there are important dates, 1776, around 1800, a lot of things happened around 1800. Was in 1801 the British flag, the co- combining of uh, so many of the uh, Israel and the, and the prosperity and the blessings of so many Israel nations around the world. Great major portions of the United States, like uh, uh, the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, uh, the uh, expansion uh, in all the 1800s of the United States, clear up to Alaska and um, Hawaii, and uh, the Gadsden Purchase in Arizona, and uh, the great major western portions of uh, Texas, all up into Colorado and that way, and then in the western states. So, you had the complete, in the 1800s, a complete expansion of the United States. You had the acceleration of many of those Israel nations around the world beginning in the late 1700s. So, 1800 was a key, significant, and important date that happened in our Israel uh, nations. So, you can, that's why I'm saying, I'm just giving you just a little bit of an abbreviated history. And the... Those of us who have studied this and looked at this have been fascinated and intrigued by it. Those who are new begin to wonder, well, how can this be? What is the importance and significance of all of that? Well, because it verifies and authenticates the word of God and history, and we can see what God is doing. If you don't have the identity of Israel and the nations of the earth and understand who is who, you can't understand Bible prophecy. If you don't have the importance of the significance of the dates to know what God is doing, then you're going to be off hundreds of years and into speculation and, well, maybe this and maybe that and and all of this. So, now, uh, in all of that, remember, there are uh, an about approximate round dates close because of our calculation and our observing. Like, we say we've been on earth 6,000 years. Well, if you take the calculations of uh, 4 to 5 BC of creation, then we're a few years over past 6,000 years into the millennial time. So we know we're living right at the end, right at the edge. And God says he shall shorten and maybe expand and maybe cut short some of those days. Uh, He might be able to make some adjustments in history so that uh, he takes into consideration uh, his general time frame and the exact things that are happening. And so there's an approximate... Uh, time and so let, let's not get lost too much in the approximate close year or two overlapping and then throw everything out. Now, if we're off hundreds of years, you can see if you use the wrong calculation, you can be off hundreds of years and be totally lost and out in left field. Okay, so let's go to the next chart. Six is uh, time calculated. Okay, uh, move that over. Can you, can you move it over just a little bit? to the end because uh, it leaves out some of the writing here. Okay, I can look back here on the chart at the back. Uh, can you see that without me pointing all of this? Okay, there's a lunar year which is, a month is 29 and a half days, 29 days and, and 12 hours. And so if you take 12 months times 29 and a half, you have 354 days in a lunar month. Now. We use the lunar time and solar to calculate the holy days. So you're 11 days short, so there has to be some adjustments in a lunar solar calendar. Now the solar year is 12 times, 28 to 31 days in a month, depending February, March, April, December has 31 days. 30 days of September, April, June, and November, all the rest of 31, saving February, you know the little rhythm we learn in school, so the solar year, is adjusted periodically. Every four years we have a an adjustment. Every fourth year is 29 days in February, right? Because the sun goes around the earth 365 days and a quarter plus some minutes. So after a thousand years you've got to do some more adjustments. Not the week, not the week counts. The Sabbath stays the seventh day continually from creation to when Christ comes and sits on the earth. The seventh day will continue to be Sabbath, seventh day. But there are some adjustments in the calendar. Now, we have also a biblical year of uh, 12 times 30, rounded is 360 days. Five days and a half, five days and a quarter short of a solar year. So there has to be some adjustments periodically. Now, how do we know a biblical year is 360 days? Basically... Uh let's go back to the days of um uh let's see uh yeah back to the days of Noah in chapter eleven of Genesis, real quickly here. Uh, we have some time. Genesis the um, seventh chapter. Verse eleven. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And then it rained 40 days and 40 nights. And then go over to uh, verse 24. And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. 150 days. Then in chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of 150 days the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountain of Ararat. Interesting. Verse 11, the second month, the 17th day, here in verse 4, after 150 days, the ark rested the seventh month on the 17th day of the month, 150 days later. That shows what? Five times 30 is 150. Remember our math: five times thirty is one hundred and fifty. Now, there's other dates that enter into this: uh, the time of the flood and the doves, and uh, and so the, about a year and a couple of months passed when all before Noah actually came out of the ark. So I, I don't want to get into that, but I just wanted to show here that uh, many times a biblical month, a biblical year, is comprised of three hundred and sixty days. Now. Uh, let's go to chart number 7. And we'll read Numbers 14. Numbers 14 verse 34. And the number of the days in which you searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year. So here is identified. their. uh going to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Each day for a year shall you bear your burdens, even 40 years, and you shall know my breach of promise. And uh, in Daniel, the fourth chapter, and Revelation 12, the time for a year, uh, or times, depending on the lunar, solar, biblical years, all need adjustments in the calendar periodically. Now, I don't want to get into the calendar calculations because uh, if you take, and you know this, if you take a lunar calendar of 354 days, every 19 years, all of the uh, solar system, the Earth, Sun, and Moon comes into uh, uh, order. And so periodically, during those 19 years, you have seven times of adjustments where you've added a 13th month another 30 days. The 3rd, 6th, 8th, 11th, I think 14th, 17th, and 19th, if, if I remember that. Every, periodically, you can, you can say 11 times a year times 3 would be 33. So, if you make some adjustments and then in a couple of years, a sixth and the eighth, two years, you get some adjustments over 19 years to bring it up to 365 and a quarter solar years that the earth goes around the Sun, 365 and a quarter days. Now, Generally, in longer periods of prophecy, this is very important, if you use a lunar year, then you're going to be short over several thousand years by maybe 100 days or or more. If you use a 360-day month, biblical month, you're going to be short several years. If you use a solar year, the calendar, basically, the world uses a calendar year. Basically, all the world uses our Gregorian, uh, Julian calendar with some adjustments they've made. Just like presently, we have to make some adjustments in our calendar, our solar calendar, our regular calendar. So if you take 2,520 days in the calendar year, like many do count, you'll come up from 17 to 1776 or to 1917 or to 1948. You see what I'm saying? But if you use a lunar calendar, calendar calculation, you'll come up to maybe 1600 and some odd years that doesn't have any importance or significance. So, we have to, this is why Bible study is so important, and I'm just throwing out an abbreviated points from history today to challenge us all to look at, make our own charts, study this. I've studied the identities of our Israel nation for 50 some years. And I'm still learning and still trying to remember. Uh, trying to remember all of those things about St. Andrew's Cross and uh, George's Cross and why there's not a dragon on the Irish, uh, the British flag. And thank God there isn't. You know, they don't have to answer for that. And we, we are intrigued and interested by the histories of our people. And we just went through in our study of the book of Acts about how all nations are of one blood. So, we're all brothers and we're all family. We might have a little different skin color, but we all are potentially to be sons and daughters of God. We might look a little bit like. Uh, we, I mean, we might look a little bit different. <laughs> Excuse me. We, we don't look alike, but we look a little different, but we're all of human under Adam and Eve, and we're going to be in Christ. We're going to look like Him, because we'll see Him as He is, and then we'll take on that glory. Okay, uh, let's see... Um, oh uh, one more calculation in 2nd Peter the 3rd chapter verse 8 this is where uh, we get uh, another calculation here first uh, no 2nd Peter 3 8 you already know what that is 2nd Peter 3 8 uh, I'll just uh, use this one verse but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So, we can leave aside those other calculations that I talked about. One day for a year. Seven Seven days in a week. 7,000 years. We're at 6,000, a millennium. Then the great white throne judgment, beyond that. So, God is and has revealed through the holy days... And the calculations through a lunar and a solar. The, the holy days are calculated lunar and solar, not calendar. Not uh, our, through our uh, Gregorian calendar necessarily. But we use that as reference because everybody has a calendar today. and So we have to look at it and say, you know, the holy days float. And then what day on the calendar is the Passover and what day is uh, uh, Pentecost and what day on the calendar. So we use, all of us, all the nations of the earth use this same basic calendar. Now some religions have their own calendar. I understand. I know there are some that uh, use different calculations, but we we make these fit within our uh, calendar that's accepted worldwide. Now, uh, the uh, fifth point here that I want to touch on is uh, God's marriages. God's marriages. Let me, uh, without turning to all the scriptures, just uh, talk about this and paraphrase, and, and we've got scriptures and references. You've heard me say this before. God married two women, two sisters, Israel and Judah. They had their name Ahola and Aholabah. Because of sin and warnings and warnings, and they didn't listen, Israel sinned, so God divorced her. He said, I gave her, then Jeremiah gave her a bill of divorcement. He divorced Israel, but he, through Hosea and other prophecy, he, he, he wanted her to come, come back. Repent. Change. Come back. I'll take you back. She never did. Now, God has not cast away. We know from the New Testament, God has not totally cast away. He, he says that he took care of her and provided her, even in her separate. She looked at her paramours and her lovers and the ones that she was committing adultery with that caused that divorce as the ones that were supplying all of her needs. But it was God, really, that was looking out and protecting And we can trace in history, uh, not today, but the providential interventions of God down through the Israel peoples to bring them to where we are today. And uh, so he was still married to Judah. But then she went into captivity because she did just like her own sister did in adulteries and all all the things with the other nations and uh, left off God. So he never divorced her, but he sent her into separation. Now then... God is married to Judah. So, he wants to marry the church. What can he do? He dies, is resurrected, and as a widower, then he's free to marry the church. Now, there's scriptures. Uh, you can go in Ezekiel 16, 8, 32, 23, 25, Jeremiah 3, 8, 2 Corinthians eleven two Revelation 19, 7, 9, uh, Revelation 21, 2, and 9. And uh, you can see and track down these histories where the church is now engaged. We're fiancéed. We are engaged to Christ looking for the marriage, right? We're going to be married to him. We're looking for the marriage union to take place in the future when the church is going to be married. Right now, we're engaged. And God wants his... We He used the word bride and... Uh, uh, fiancé interchangeably because uh, a guy considers, you know, his fiancé as his wife uh, in, in one sense. You respect that. We refer to, like I've, I've told people over the years, you know, the Bible says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing. Just don't go around saying, this is my good thing. <laughs> you know, don't say that. That doesn't sound good. And uh, women are lost. We've got to be careful, men. Women are lost. They've got to be found. little humor. <laughs> oh, there I got to laugh. I got to laugh. Women need to be found. And then become a fiancé. And then become a wife. In that order. And, and in all purity. And, and dressed in white. A, a, a bride looks forward to the time when she's going to be in white and purity and and there's importance about the wedding ceremony that takes place. There's a lot of significance in that and God is a great ceremony in the future that he is going to uh, have for us when we're married to Christ. Now, uh, we have just a a few minutes left. Let me do this. We received a letter to... uh, feed and I won't read all of it but basically uh, the man had uh, some questions about different religions that teach different things about God in the Old Testament an angel or whether it was God or uh, who it was actually during those revelations and so he, he, he closes with a question and I responded to him he said so please explain Hebrews 9.28 or do we throw it out? And the other scriptures showing God has only been on Earth one time. So you get his question: Do we throw out all those scriptures, or do we throw out Hebrews 9:28? Let's go in uh, the Bible to Hebrews 9:28, and I responded to his letter, and I'll just tell you briefly here uh, because this is this is important and significant. It's another one of those branches on this uh, tree that uh, we're looking at. Hebrews 9, 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So here was his question. Uh, One time, second time, uh, is, uh, but if... He was on Earth many times before. How could this be just a second time? Okay, we need to understand that. We need to back up to Hebrews nine twenty-seven, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. We're mortal human beings. We're all going to die. It's appointed to man. Every man is going to die. Now, whether we consider a transforming of the living saints when Christ comes, and that split second when we're changed from mortal to immortal. From physical to spiritual, whether we consider that a death, that, that's acceptable. Think of the people that die, but are not saved, but come up in the second resurrection. They're either going to, they have a choice, after, and then their judgment. Judgment is now on us, judgment will be on them. They're going to be judged. At the end of their life, people in the millennium are going to be judged. They have a determination. Two choices. Die or live? Die forever or live forever? What is it, the choice? We've made the choice to live forever. Now we're going to, some of us, and some of us have in our congregation died in recent times and over past histories. Some of us may not survive a few short years till Christ comes. But when He comes, our hope is we'll be resurrected. We've died uh, one time, we will be resurrected and live forever. Jesus Christ once offered to bear the sins of many. He doesn't have to keep repeating it time after time. Once for past, present, future sins for all of mankind. He did it one time. He came to this earth as a human being begotten in the womb of Mary, both human and divine. One time he lived a physical life. Now he had manifestations and I explained it. He had manifestations in the Old Testament as a man. He wrestled with Jacob. He was uh, involved in other uh, appearances, sometimes as an angel of of the Lord. Sometimes he identified himself as an angel and then it was very clear that this was God. Like Jacob said, I've seen God face to face. He wasn't just wrestling with a man, he was wrestling to, well, Do we throw out all of those scriptures that have a reference to God appearing? No. We use them. We explain them. We live by them. We appreciate the truth. Christ came one time as a human being. He's coming one time as a spirit being resurrected. Remember after he was resurrected, he appeared on Thursday, the 40th day, as a human And then on uh, that day, he went up, and remember the angel said, well, he's going to come back, as you saw him go in the clouds. So when Christ comes as a spirit being, then he will be forever on this earth and in the heavens, whatever God's plan is going to be after he's finished this all up here. Whatever we're going to be doing forever, we don't know. Something interesting and fascinating is ahead for us. This is just the beginning. We have trials and tribulations and problems, brethren, but we have a lot of excitement and a lot of blessings and we have knowledge and understanding and we know God's plan and purpose and we can hardly wait and contain ourselves till that glorious manifestation and change takes place when Christ is on the earth and he's going to be there for a millennium at the temple. They're going to go from all over this earth and go up and see him and be able to talk to him in the flesh. So Christ is coming for those who look for him, shall he appear the second time. He came the first time as a human being. He's coming the second time as Jesus, the Son of God, in a glorified spirit state. So, what do we do? We throw this scripture out of the Bible? Like he say, he asked me this, ask us. We throw this scripture away or we throw the others away? We don't throw any of them away. We explain them and live by them. And our appreciative of the great, wonderful blessings that God has given us. Now, in closing, I have to close here. Oh, there's so much more we could say. But I know we've got food back there. We've got another meeting. we have a deacon's meeting here later today. And sun is going to be setting a little after 5 o'clock. So, closing. He's our Savior of our nation. He is a savior of the people of Israel and Judah and nations and individuals, the church of God. He saves us individually and he saves us nationally. He is going to save many of these nations of Israel. Prophecy shows that. These are just a few of separate but connected branches of an abbreviated history.